0: Hey, this is Chris from The World is a Beautiful Place, and I'm no longer afraid to die, and you're listening to the New Scene Podcast. Look at all that shit. Do you really need all that shit?
1: For Christ's sakes, it's Christmas. (laughs)
0: hello everybody and welcome to the new scene this is keith and tommy and we're back with another blockbuster episode of your favorite podcast and tonight on the show lynn lee of bad cop bad cop excellent band excellent person we spoke with her and we have much to offer we cover it all from the band to life on the road to unruly sound guys and you're going to hear about it all
2: I was really excited to speak to her. It was uh, I actually had not been familiar with the band until about a week and a half ago, um, and I started listening to them. And also, really wasn't uh, a, like one of those kind of things that jumped out at me. I kept writing the name wrong, <laughs> like every single time. <laughs> I was like, "Good cop, bad cop," because we're just so used to that phrasing. But really interesting interview, and on top of that. She's just a sweet and kind person. I really, really liked having her on.
0: Yes, you're going to hear about it all. You're going to hear about their 2020 album, The Ride. You're going to hear about their history. So strap in for that. But first, let's get some business out of the way. Now, folks, we want your support. We need your support. And I got a little bit of a bone to pick with everybody, okay? (laughs) Now, we have a great, dedicated following, right? We've got a lot of followers. So I want to see some more action, okay? When we do these very thoughtful giveaways, I want to see more entries. All you have to do is post an Instagram story and tag us and Iodine Recordings and you get free stuff. That's easy. So I want to see like 20, 30 people entering. And uh uh reviews, we need some more reviews. I want to see some reviews pouring in. If you like the show, give us a five-star review, post it on Apple Podcasts, and we'll read it on the air. We also
2: want to hear some you know what are we doing well? What are things that you like about the show, and what are things that we need to do a little bit better?
0: Yeah, yeah, we need to hear that, and we want to share your thoughts on the air. So give that to us. We need it. We want it. We love it. Also follow us on all social media: Facebook, The New Scene, Twitter, and Instagram, New Scene Pod, and of course my favorite, Twitch TV slash The New Scene, <laughs> and. And support our sponsor, Iodine Recordings. Check them out at iodinerecords.com. They're signing a lot of great bands. There's pre-orders. There's a lot of good stuff. There's merch. Hit them up. Check it out. What do you have to lose? Nothing.
2: Nothing. You have nothing to to lose and everything to gain. Excellent new merch, new bands coming in, pre-orders on vinyl. Get some stuff done. Let's go. It's almost Christmas time.
0: Yeah, Christmas is this week. So if you did some late shopping, buy something for somebody. I mean, come on. It's the season of giving. Now, in the spirit of season of giving, I'm going to give you a recap of the show I went to last week, Tommy.
2: Ooh. Ooh. I'd love to hear these. They're always nice because, you know, there's some of the bands I'm not super familiar with, especially like openers, I'm not super familiar with. So,
0: yeah. Well, Tommy, I saw Poison the Well at Gramercy Theater in New York City. Uh, it was a sold out gig. It was awesome. It was the first time I've seen Poison the Well since 2016, the last time they came through town, and Vadim was there and we hung out. Okay, so I met up with Vadim before the gig. I had dinner with him and some of his friends who I was at the show with last time, and uh, you know Tom Sheehan from Indecision?
2: No, I'm thinking of the other guy from Indecision. Is there's one that's like a a councilman, like a city councilman?
0: That's Justin Brennan. Yeah. Well, Tom Sheehan was there too. He was the vocalist of Indecision, and of course, one of the hosts of Axe to Grind podcast. So we all had a meal before the show. Tommy, I wished you were there. You know, there's uh, some of the top podcasters and musicians sitting together eating a meal in new york city before the show you should you should be part of that you should move uh, to new york i think me or my whole family i think you have to bring them with you
2: okay well i mean here's the other thing i don't know what i would do there like i don't know if i'd be if i moved to a whole other place i don't think i'd be a teacher anymore why I just because like I'd have to get like a whole new teaching certification and get it transferred there. I might have to retake a test or something. It would be enough for me to be like, hey, let's see what else the job market has to offer.
0: (laughs) Maybe you could play guitar and poison the well.
2: No, I'm terrible at guitar.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we went to the show and in the whale opened. They were like a post-hardcore band with heavier parts it was two guys two guys and they were dressed all in white which was cool i liked that it was a drummer and a guitar player it's kind of hard to describe the music because it was pretty unique but i really liked what was going on and it sounded massive for a two-piece so that was cool that was in the whale yeah awesome yeah check them out i think you'll dig it and next was extinction ad from long island and they were a metallic hardcore band more on the metal side, very thrashy, big time riffs. Crowd was really into it. I dug it. I really dug it. And of course, Poison the Well headlined and played a career spanning set. All the songs I wanted to hear, I heard. And it's always great to see Vadim up there. You know, it's, I think it's cool that he's been touring with the band when they play shows. And I just, I don't know, I was standing there watching it and I was like, look, there he is. He's still doing it. I love it. I love it.
2: You know, what, 25 years later, still playing music and still... And Vadim's a really, really, really good guitar player. So it's it's fun to just watch him play.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And it was a good time. Friends, hanging out, not standing awkwardly at a show by myself. It was a beautiful thing. And I have to say, Vadim is a top-tier friend. And I'm going to explain why. (laughs) He goes out of his way to get everybody together and hang out. He coordinates everybody meeting up at this restaurant he hangs out with you before the show he makes sure that you get into the show and then he hangs out with you after the show he's just a genuinely nice person and there's so few people carry themselves like that so props to you Vadim can I ask you a question this is something that I always I always panic when I'm at places
2: like this is Vadim good at introducing you to people and it's just like
0: that's another thing he goes out of his way to introduce everybody and say like, oh, this person does this and this person does that. So you don't have to like sledgehammer it into the conversation. He's like a master socializer.
2: That's so awesome. That's why like, there's so many times when people are like, yeah, I've spoken to Vadim a number of times. I never met him, but uh, we've spoken a number of times. I'm like, really? (laughs) Yeah. We have guests say that
0: all the time. Like, yeah, I know him. Like Jesus, Vadim knows everybody. everybody He does. Yeah. He knows everybody. So thank you, Vadim. Show was great. Had a great time. Always good to see him. So what do you think, Tommy? Are you going to move up here so you can be part of these things more?
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, I'm, just being, I'm just being realistic and honest. I'm not. My wife has a good job here. I have a good job here. My kids are like the friends they have at school. Estelle doesn't really know what's going on yet, but you know.
0: It makes sense because moving a family up here would be kind of crazy especially you because we know that you constantly are looking for ways to save money and you're not going to do that up here
2: yeah i also i would think getting them to school would be weird i think that's a weird thing to have to take like the subway to get to school yeah that would be that would be a strange thing the girls would definitely have to get used to that i think they've been on two trains their entire life
0: well folks now it's time to talk to lynn lee of bad cop bad cop enjoy
1: and confusing emotions volcanic explosions of joy
0: All right, folks, we're here now with Lynn Lee. Lynn, welcome to the show. How's it going, guys? So, Lynn, we're very excited to have you here. We love the music of Bad Cop, Bad Cop, and we're excited to get to know you. So how are you doing today?
1: Um, I'm doing all right. Um, You know, as every Monday rolls around, wishing the weekend was just a little bit longer. But, you know, that's always wishful thinking. And hopefully someday we'll follow. What is it? I think it's Norway. Norway. It's one of those Norwegian, like, you know, one of those European countries where it's like a full-time day is 36. It's like full-time week is 36 hours. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that sounds tight.
0: <laughs> I really want that. And I see a lot of people on Twitter advocating for the four-day work week. I'm about that.
1: Oh, hell yeah. Do you know how much like we would be a, okay. So the happier people are, the more productive they end up being and the more motivated. I've, I mean, I think that's, that that's my theory on the whole thing. I mean, I know since working from home, um, you know, I'm not exactly sure when I'll be going back to the office, but um, you know, working from home has made it more productive for me because I'm not sitting in an hour of traffic. I'm using that time to like do yoga or go for a walk or something. So, you know, the happier the, you know, the amenities are for employees, I think then I think the more productive and successful businesses could be.
0: Absolutely, so what do you do for your job?
1: Um, I do some bookkeeping work um, i you know i've been doing bookkeeping work like accounts payable and receivable, reconciling bank accounts and whatever for well you know over a decade. Uh, but I also help out with the company I work for. my employer needed some help in uh, their escalated calls area. And so I do bookkeeping and take all the angry people. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was just going to ask what's escalated calls, but I kind of inferred from the fact that somebody needs to be uh, assigned De-escalated. to it. escalated like, Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> they need to be, they need to calm down. I'm here to, to, you know, basically be a very inexpensive therapist and let them vet <laughs> about their problems, about problems that they put on themselves. First of all, I'm not here to victim blame by any means, but it's like, like you came to us for a particular service because you're not an expert in this field, and you're expecting things to go exactly the way that you planned, even though you have no, you know, no expertise on this industry. Like, how would you know how things should be going if you're hiring, you know, a company to do this? But you know, that's a whole nother, that's a whole other topic. We work with people that have tax issues. And, you know, there's a lot of things that are protected by Congress, you know, that we can't go around. And they're like, what do you mean? You promised me this. It's like, nah, we didn't promise it. You just heard what you wanted to hear. (laughs) So, (laughs) I mean, and you don't know anything about, you know, trying to put yourself on any sort of payment program. And nobody wants to deal with the IRS. So that's why you hire a company like us. I mean, I I mean, it's a (laughs) it's. It's not really f- I mean the service itself is you know it's helpful I've seen it help a lot of people but um when it's people that are expecting like any sort of reduction in their liability when they could clearly afford it because they have assets or make, you know, nine grand a month and (laughs) you're just like, oh, you just don't want to pay. Okay, that's not helpful. And the IRS doesn't care about that. So
0: (laughs) Right. They're coming for that money one way or another. They're coming for that
1: money because it's, you know, I mean, aside from the obvious with with taxes, (laughs) we can go into that in a whole nother day. But um but I mean there's, you know, certain needs for for taxes. I mean we wouldn't have we want not have fire the fire department, you know, infrastructure, et cetera. So, but, you know, try explaining that to somebody that just doesn't want to pay their taxes.
0: So. so you've been working from home since the pandemic?
1: Yeah. Um, I've lucked out. I mean, we we were on tour when the world was slowly and then all of a suddenly shutting down.
0: Where were you when you got the news? What city were you in?
1: Well, we were we had to- we were touring in Europe and oh. um We were just seeing shows get canceled one by one. And then it was, you know, it was March 13th, the infamous March 13th, that uh, we were on our way to Paris and we get the message from our booking agent saying, This is your last show. You need to get home because they're closing borders. And we don't know if you can get home. (laughs) We're like, Okay, (laughs) well, let's play the show. It was a really cool little anti-fascism rally in Paris, which doesn't suck. But yeah, we went like f- right from there to the airport. The airport was closed and we're like, okay, um, well, let's get a hotel like right by the airport so we can get, you know, an airport shuttle at least um, because we needed to get like our back line and our van back to our renters, <laughs> which they're located in the Czech Republic. So that's like a 15 hour drive from Paris. And our drivers are also, you know, one um one of them was uh she's our tour manager slash merch mom slash tour mom uh Enos uh and she also runs an online our you know one of our online shops for Europe called T Mom Merch. She lives in Berlin and then our wonderful ginger angel driver slash stage tech Tom lived in Paris. So he had to like drive. They had to like try to make it to the Czech Republic. They didn't make it. The borders closed.
0: Oh my gosh. Um,
1: and so Enos was amazing and like basically kept an eye on the, the, the vans
0: and with the gear in it. <laughs> I was like, Oh crap. If the borders closed, how do you get the van back? Do they just have to sit there with the van? What happens?
1: Yeah. I I mean, from what I remember, Enos just like, you know, she was able to find spaces and it was not just our van. It was also our support Bands van make make war, yeah. um, because their tour manager lived in the states, so they're like, oh crap, <laughs> you know, like we have to we have to get both of these vans. Um, so Enos, I believe if I remember correctly, she had if she there was like parking spaces available where she can keep an eye on stuff and whatever. And then eventually, once the borders did open up or f- they were figured out some way to get the vans and the gear back to the renters in the Czech Republic at some point. Um, I just don't remember how long that took. I just remembered it was nerve wracking as hell.
0: Oh man, I bet. <laughs> you know, the the whole working at home thing, I absolutely mm-hmm. love. I'm on a I have a whole new outlook on life. Like Oh yeah. I'm like people should not have to go into offices every day. It just it just shouldn't happen. I'm I'm kind of on my own schedule. I get my work done. I wake yeah. up later. So now when I have to go into the office, into the city, I'm like mm-hmm miserable i'm like how did i do this for so long
1: i know i i agree with that like i think about it because you know i've been very lucky to be at the same employer for the past seven years that that have allowed me to go on tour and have been incredibly lenient with me to go on tour and everything uh that's because i know my ass is coming back so uh, but <laughs> But you know, there there may be a time where uh, you know they may let me go, which is understandable because you know I'm gone a lot, or I was gone a lot, and we'll you know look into probably touring some more again next year. I don't know how much, but because um, things keep changing, of course. But right, um, but there could be a chance I could lose my job too, and I you know I, that's always like on the back of my mind because you know it, it that could totally happen, and I've seen it happen with. You know, we see it happen with people that we care about, whether they're in a band or not. So, um, but mostly in bands, (laughs) but yeah, like just thinking in the back of my head, I'm like, oh my God, do I have to look for a job and go into the office? Like, can I just ask for like remote positions only? I'm so much more productive while working at home. I have like my whole setup. You know, I get up, you know, a little bit later, but I'm able to, like, enjoy my morning instead of, like, oh, my God, I got to shower, and I got to go walk over to my, co- my co-worker's place so we could carpool together to work.
0: <laughs> and, like... Yeah, I like, I love getting up now, which yeah. is crazy. <laughs> that was not the case before.
1: And y'all are in the on the East Coast, yeah?
0: Yeah, Tommy's just outside of Philadelphia, and I'm in Brooklyn.
1: Ooh. Oh, snap, Philly. I lived in South Philly for, like, almost 10 years. Really? Oh yeah, I'm from upstate New York originally too.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. let's talk about let's talk about your history a bit. Where you grew up in upstate New York? Yep,
1: the wonderful land
0: of Rochester, New York. Oh, wow. I had no yeah. idea. Okay. So, yeah, so your parents came here from Vietnam, correct? Yep. I think I read they had to get out of there. It was like post-Vietnam, country falling apart, so they had to get out of there and find yeah. a new situation.
1: They um it was like it it was the fall of Saigon ultimately. It was in seventy-six, I believe. Seventy-five. I forget which year, but um, I mean I could just Google it right now if I really wanted to. <laughs> um <laughs> But anyways, um, yes, they had to they had to leave. They my mom was uh pregnant with my middle sister. My other sister was like a couple years old and uh, my parent you know, my family had had to had to flee. They had to flee. It was too dangerous. They had you know they had sponsorships, well at least you know like my family did you know church sponsorships and whatnot um and I don't exactly know the reasoning why they decided to go to Rochester of all places <laughs> um but you know they they did, and that's where we ended up. you know, they worked very, very, very hard my entire my entire life up until like pretty much a few years before my dad passed away it It was definitely something uh That stayed in the back of your head, like I mean, I was I was a spoiled little brat. (laughs) I'm the youngest in the family, so and like I'm the youngest by a lot. Like, um, my two older sisters are, you know, we have a pretty big age gap. So I was like, you know, the teeny one. Um, so hence why I'm able to, you know, (laughs) live my life the way it is right now. (laughs) So you got away with the most. Oh yeah, I totally did. I totally did. I I have gone through my share of things like, you know, I was I was a gymnast for a long time, um, you know. Uh the expectation of having really good grades was definitely a pressure no matter where you're st- <laughs> where you stood and and your um in your in the line of siblings, the the grades were a huge thing. But yeah, it was it was just also knowing that like what my family did go through is t- to to ensure that this is What I get to do now, there's a certain level of like you know appreciation, obviously, and respect um, that you have for you know like like I have for my mom and dad and stuff like that. But there's also it's got its um negative effects too because I think I think some of that pressure pressures you into doing stuff that you don't necessarily want to do, and the whole idea of like making sure you don't dishonor your your parents, I think it's a pretty toxic kind of, uh, thing to go through to put anybody to, you know, have anybody to go through that.
0: Did you ever find yourself in a situation where you wanted to do something, but your family wanted you to do something else and you were, you were torn?
1: Yeah. I mean, school being one thing. I mean, I, I was always a very, like, I was always a performer, right. But, you know, a lot of my, uh, attractions were like not, you know, specific to academic stuff like, you know, math, biology, you know, trying to pursue a career, um, you know, in investment banking or some shit like that. (laughs) Um, I decided that I was going to, you know, I'll figure out work. I'll figure out a job because there's always a job that I could always work. But I really enjoyed performing and I was able to find that outlet initially with gymnastics, but then pursuing music and doing that as my outlet. And that's what makes me happy. That's why I still do this. (laughs) So... I'm pushing forty, so that that's you know, it's gonna it's gonna continue to happen until I literally can't anymore. So
0: I hear you. Tommy and I are each thirty-nine and we're gonna do this podcast until we're physically unable to speak anymore.
1: <laughs> I'll be thirty nine <laughs> on Friday.
0: <laughs> oh awesome. happy well. early birthday. Yes.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I'm very excited. <laughs> we're playing a show this weekend, actually. Oh, um, nice. Where at? It's it's an, um, Garden Grove, California anyways. So. <laughs> um but uh we're playing with we're it's like twelve bands. Um but we're playing at the Garden Amphitheater with Agent Orange, Excel, Dog Party, Stalag 13, The Venomous Pinks, uh Urethane, The Line, and uh Forgive Me Other Bands. I don't remember the names, but um uh, but yeah, yeah, it's gonna be a fun little show on Saturday.
0: So so when you were younger, you were into gymnastics. Uh-huh. How did you become a musician? Have you always been interested in music?
1: Yes, uh, but not to the extent as I am now. You know, when I, when I was younger, I mean, like I said, I was, I was in gymnastics and, you know, pretty intensely involved. I had suffered a pretty gnarly accident when I was about 16, and that ended pretty much anything gymnastics-wise that I could do. So, you know, being hospitalized for a period of time, you know, and daytime TV can only get you so much, uh, <laughs> um, especially, you know, in the the nineties where it was like, okay, you know, you were lucky to get cable. Sometimes if you got like the basic cable, you got like 20 channels and that was a privilege. So, um, but that can only take you so far as far as attention span is concerned. And uh, I was like, you know, Getting into music a little bit more. Um, I remember listening to like cranberries and I was like, oh, that's so cool. Like that she's got such a unique voice and it's like right around the realm of music that like captures my interest. And then, you know, discovering Green Day and Blink 182. I, I could hear I could hear what they were playing kind of. And so I was like really interested in trying to learn it. Got a guitar. <laughs> Terrible at it, <laughs> just, <laughs> just just god awful. Just like what my hands don't they do not move that way. But I was able to listen. I could hear bass lines, and I could I would play the bass lines on the acoustic guitar. So yeah, and then eventually just traded that guitar. I mean, it wasn't like anything special. <laughs> it was just a little no name guitar you get at like Kmart or some shit. But yeah, I eventually got like one of those starter bases with like the ba- you know the shoot the amp that looked like a little shoebox.
0: And um, you know, just started learning how to play bass from there. So, had you seen live music at this point? How did you decide I want to be in a band?
1: Well, the first time I decided I wanted to like be in a band, but didn't actually do anything to pursue it till much later in my life was the first time I saw Wayne's World. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, I yes. saw, and I saw Cassandra, and I was like, I mean, not no joke, like just to see somebody that you know was of Asian descent to be like this freaking rock star. And I'm just like, oh, that's so cool. Like, I want to do that. But I didn't actually, you know, (laughs) I didn't follow through until much later. But yeah, I wasn't in my first band until like right after high school. We were god awful, but it was fun. And we played like three shows. Um, (laughs) But then, you know, I started, you know, meeting people when I lived in Philadelphia. I played in this band called Famous in Vegas, which was like, you know, whatever we played a lot of DIY punk shows. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with like the Philly punk scene, but like there was the band, like the boils and the ghouls. Yep. Um,
0: what year was this?
1: This was in the early two thousands. I think like 2002 or three, maybe, maybe
0: even four. What venues were you playing in Philly?
1: We played, um, in the, the upstairs of like the Trocadero.
0: Yeah. I forget
1: there. Um, I forget the name. It was called the balcony. Wasn't it? Yeah. Um, we played at, oh my God, I can't even think of the name of this. It was like a VFW in West Philly or something like that. I forget, Rotunda? But the Rotunda, yes. The Rotunda. Wow. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yes. The Rotunda, we played there. We used to play at Club, uh, what was it, 2 on 5 on South Street.
2: Yes.
0: Um,
1: I used to live like two blocks from there.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: Um, I also used to work at the TLA too. Oh, really? Went, yep. Yeah, in the early two thousands, I started off in security, then made my way up the ladder into the box office.
0: <laughs> wow! How did you end up in Philly?
1: Um, I just um, I went to college. Uh, I you know I I graduated at Temple University. Me too. Nice <laughs> go Owls. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I yeah, that's I just up and left Rochester. I mean, there really wasn't much going for me there. So, and I didn't really want to pursue any sort of like SUNY schools or anything like that. There's nothing wrong with SUNY schools. I just wanted to get the hell out. <laughs> but yeah, I lived there. I lived in Philly till January 4th of 2010. And I moved out to Southern California. But yeah, I was like standing outside. I was like, it is sunny. It is 67. This rules. <laughs> <laughs> rules no more having to sit in your car and letting it defrost for 20 minutes
0: exactly and you know philly to southern california is a big culture shock i'll never forget when i visited los angeles for the first time in 2004 Mm -hmm. it was beautiful there was no trash all over the streets people seemed nicer and then i flew back to philly and walked back from the gerard l stop to my house in fishtown And I'll (laughs) never forget like seeing the streets lined with trash and just, and I was just so depressed.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, Ellie's, you know, I live in Long Beach, the land of Snoop Dogg. So every, you know, every metropolitan area has its pockets, of course. But I mean, I I love living in Long Beach. I I don't think I'm ever going to leave Long Beach, to be honest. I love it here. It kind of reminds me of like a little baby Philadelphia with an actual beach and not, you know, the Schuylkill or, you know Delaware River.
0: <laughs> also no disrespect to Philly. I'm Philly no. till I die, but uh yeah, I just want to clarify.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. I I love I do miss Philly. I do Me miss too. Philly a lot. Like Me too. When we played at the Foundry, which is pretty new. You know, I remember we were driving past the Barbary and I was like, "Oh my god, that place is still open." Like <laughs> and what, you know, naturally I went and stopped at Tattooed Moms. And I was like, Get my food, get my, a couple drinks, get to see my homies.
0: Yes, that place is classic, along with the Barbary. The Barbary still does shows, too. I, I just saw Taken there like two years ago. Wow. Yeah, it was like just before the pandemic.
1: Wow. I hope they're still around. I mean, I always had a good time there from what I can remember.
0: So, why did you move out to California?
1: Um, I was playing in a band at that time. I was playing in a Psychobilly band. Um, I also play stand-up bass too. And uh, we were <laughs> we're called the Reach Around Rodeo Clowns. <laughs> um, I played in that band for a few years. And uh, we had like a bunch of shows up and down the West Coast. A former friend of mine, um, and uh, she was living in Costa Mesa. And she was like, oh, I'm actually moving to Philly um, to work, and she was like, "Hey, do you want to swap places?" And I was like, "Yeah, that that sounds tight. Like, this is my opportunity to like move to Southern California. I've always wanted to like see what it was like." And yeah, come January first, like right before those shows, I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna do it. Just gonna buy a one way ticket."
0: That's a big move, and I can relate to that because around when I was 30 years old, I moved to New York City. From Philly, and it doesn't seem like too big of a move, but it really is. Well, I'll never forget walking down the financial district to my new job and just being like, what in God's name did I get myself into? I am, <laughs> I, I am not ready for this at all. So how did you feel when you got to Southern California? Was it overwhelming? Were you happy? What was, what was your experience?
1: I was I was definitely very happy, like uh, more of like a I can't believe this is happening kind of thing. Because you know, I again, I'd always wanted to live in Southern California. Always wanted to see what it was like to live in California in general, and in particular, living in you know close to Los Angeles. You know, I just have always wanted to see what it was, you know, what Hollywood was like. You know, just out of curiosity, really. Yeah, when I moved to SoCal, I was like. This is actually happening like i'm I'm doing this, and I'm doing this because I'm playing music, which is kind of blowing my mind right now i mean i'm I wasn't by any means making enough money but <laughs> but I was doing it, so yeah, it was mainly just like uh I was in shock, had to like pinch my cheeks make sure i was you know this was real. You know, I haven't really looked back at all. I mean, again, like I said, I miss you know, it was kind of the same feeling when I first moved to Philly from upstate New York, you know, from Rochester. You know, it was kind of like, "Oh my god, I moved to a a city. A city that is 8 hours away from my family, you know, from my mom and dad and, you know, 2 hours north of my sister at the time. You know, on my own,
0: just moving here. <laughs> <laughs> So what did you know anybody in Southern California or did you have to start from scratch?
1: Um, I kind of knew some people just from playing shows. Um, they didn't live close to me or anything, um, but they did help me out. I was like, hey, what you know, I'm I'm living in Costa Mesa. Like, what's the best bar to go to for somebody like me? And it was uh, you know, at the time it was Johnny's saloon in Huntington Beach. So um went there, met a lot of really cool people that I'm still friends with to this day. And yeah, I mean, I, like I think everything happens for a reason and I you know, with these chain of events, some of them good, some of them not so good. Um but it's gotten me to where I am now, which is pretty fucking content. <laughs> pretty pretty stoked on this right now.
0: That's the place to be. I feel like that too for the first time in my life, but now this is fascinating to me because all right, so you go to Southern California. You're like, which bar do I go to? And you you just go to this bar and make friends as a terminal introvert. This sounds like my worst nightmare. <laughs> so how, how did you do it? I, I
1: just walked in, sat at the bar, just ordered a drink. Um, the bartender uh, Keith was working, and you know, and I was by myself. So he was like, "Oh, what brings you here?" And I was like, oh, "I just moved here. You know, I moved here from from Philly." And he's like, "You're from Philly." I'm from Baltimore. And I was like, okay, we're friends. (laughs) So we're friends now. Um, And then just like meeting people, you know, going there often, you know, again by myself, but then just meeting people while I'm there. I'm like, oh, you know, they come and be like, hey, how's it going? I'm like, hey, I'm Lynn. Nice to meet you. And I mean, that's kind of how, you know, I met the girls in Bad Cop. So it was just like, Hi. I was mainly the original bass player. I'm I'm the second bass player of the band. Um and the original bass player Jen, her and I met outside of this bar in Huntington Beach called Gallagher's. And my drunk ass is like complaining about my my current band. I was like, "Man, it's so fucking hard to find other female musicians, man. You know what? It's so hard to find a female drummer." And Jen plays drums. And she was sitting there I was just like I play drums and I was like oh shit that's red let's be friends I'm Lynn I'm Jen want to come over and jam sometime sure let's do it
0: <laughs> and then Nice and
1: <laughs> meeting Stacy and Myra meeting Jenny like it was all because of Jen so
0: <laughs> so it happened just like that
1: Yeah pretty much and then you know when Jen decided to not want to be a part of uh, bad cop anymore she referred me So they're like oh just hit up Lynn like she'll probably want to do it and came in the first practice realized that we can do three-part harmonies and the rest is history
0: yeah that's uh i really like that about the band i was listening to the last song on the ride today sing with me and you've got the acoustic guitar the piano and the three-part harmonies and i was like really stressed out and it it took me right out of that and i had a big smile on my face so you guys nailed that
1: Thank you. Oh my Absolutely. goodness. This is why we play music. To have to have somebody go through those feelings and have it uplift, you know, uplift yourself and just like, you know, bring happiness into your day, even if it's just for a moment. That's the goal, you know?
0: Yeah. And a lot of musicians and artists say that and it's not a cliche. It it's really true because even this podcast, people have written Tommy and I and been like, Hey, you helped me through my work day or hey, you helped me through a tough time and we're like wow oh. that it, isn't it the best feeling?
1: yeah, to be impactful, to make an impact on somebody, especially like if it's like a stranger or a kid, they're just like, you know you you guys inspire me or you know your songs have helped me through some really rough times like wow well thank thank you for sharing that I'm glad that that I'm glad that 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 worked out for you, you know I mean, it only helps somebody out that's brownie points
0: what's the best story Lynn what's the best story of someone coming up to you and being like hey this is how your music impacted me my brain is scrambled
1: uh, so I don't have anything specific um, the only thing I, I can say and this is I'm just gonna sound a bit arrogant when I tell you this but it made my day it was we played in uh, Columbus Ohio uh, with anti-flag on this last run and and I remembered briefly meeting this person um, you know at a show you know, a couple years beforehand, but I didn't recognize them at that time. And I'm standing on stage, like we're about to play and they're wearing a Lynn fucking Lee t-shirt. And I'm like, (laughs) what? I'm like, what "What the hell? Like, cause I know there's the Stacy fucking t-shirts out there, which is super rad. Like, you know, we are helping her with, you know, raise some money because she was going through some medical stuff and people still get us. People still wear it. It's fucking rad. I didn't even know this even existed. And just to like see it. And they're like, yeah, is how so much I love you. Like I had my friend make this shirt for me. And I was like, that's fucking killer. Thank you. That's amazing. <laughs> but I, I mean, to make somebody, you know, I guess uh, to drive somebody to do that, like, I don't, I mean, it's an amazing feeling. I don't know exactly how to feel, but except happy. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I'm not. That's the only thing I can think of off the top of my head that made like an impact on how I felt. Like somebody's action because of us caused my act, my reaction to it.
0: I guess. I love that. If someone was wearing a Keith shirt and it had me on the shirt, I I would never. I would be telling everybody about that all the time, <laughs> even if people weren't asking.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I, seriously. Like I posted about it. I was like, this is fucking great. Because I mean, we, I, you know, I'm on the, you know, the Base Against Racist shirts. you know, like I already know. And it, even seeing that, like seeing either myself or any any of the Base Against Racist shirts, I'm always like, oh my God, thank you so much. It's like so just, it's just a wonderful feeling to see all that support, you know, finding a shirt that you didn't even know existed. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? Get out of here with that. That is crazy.
0: You joined forces with Bad Cop, Bad Cop, right? You're in the band now. So what's the state of the band at this point? We're gigging? Have we done any tours or anything like that yet?
1: Um, nothing major. Um, I know that they did like one, like little West Coast tour prior to me joining the band. Um, but like I had played a few shows. We did our first tour together. Um, just, you know, out Southern California and out to like Tucson, Arizona. But yeah, it would like things didn't, the momentum didn't really start to push too much, um, more until 2014. We had put. I just, <laughs> I just remembered playing this amazing festival in San Francisco called Lilith Bear, and it was a drag show. That well, at least I don't know if there were other venues. I don't remember if there were other venues and other shows happening for this festival, but I know our particular location at the venue. And first of all, the stage was terrifying because it was like super makeshift. It was like six feet off the ground, the size of like three picnic tables.
0: <laughs> oh, man. just
1: like oh god not to mention like the place caught on fire like um like a few hours before we loaded it but uh but there was a drag show that happened um it was so fun it was so much fun um and i know that stacy has a pretty long relationship friendship with Fat mike and, and invited him to the show i didn't even know he was there until i like saw a guy wearing i think it was yeah it was an adolescence t-shirt and i was like oh sick shirt and <laughs> Like <laughs> I didn't even like put. I think I was just too drunk. I just didn't put two and two together. But uh, but yeah, like shortly after that, we get the call about you know how fat is interested in us, and we were like, "What? That's crazy!" So yeah, then you know the show started coming in. Our I think our first our first like big show was with me first and Gimme give at the House of Blues on Sunset in Hollywood. That was pretty rad. That I I think I squealed when I like walked on stage just because of the number of people that were there, and I'd never played in front of that many people before.
0: Right. <laughs> and I was just like,
1: I was just like ah! It's <laughs> <laughs> <Hello. laughs> so, like nervous for about 30 seconds. like, okay, ready and seen.
0: So what do you do in a moment like that to to prepare and get yourself in the headspace? Like me, I, I kind of am just nervous right until up until I'm doing it, and then I just kind of have an out-of-body experience while I'm playing, and then that's it.
1: I... Pretty much go through the same thing. Um, we actually have made a part of our practice to do a pep talk with each other. So we do this thing called hands, where uh, you know the four of us. Even we'll include like our stage tech or you know our tour manager. You know if we're in Europe or um, merch person. You know whatever whoever's working with us. And even like um, you know we've had other members of the touring party hang out with us too, and just like kind of showing gratitude, like pumping each other up, kind of thing. We try to make this as as optimistic and uplifting as possible, and to you know, because when we're all on that page, when nobody's like um, having a bad time, and if they are, like you know, we talk about it and be like, okay, it's all right. You just take you just take it easy. But we're in this together. Let's have some fun. That's gotten that's definitely helped me get through playing shows for sure. Um, and we started doing that a, a couple year a few years ago. We started doing that. We do it every show.
0: I think that's probably. One of the most important things you can do in any creative situation, whether it be a band Mm -hmm. or anything else, is just the really open communication because we don't know what people are going through and how that's going to affect their behavior. Like Mm -hmm. Tommy and I started talking after each podcast and just being really open about everything. And, you know, if I'm like, hey, I was a little snippy because I was nervous. You just get that out there and then it's not a problem. But if you're not talking about those things, they build and they build and they turn into bigger things
1: yeah I agree um and like even for myself it's kind of it could be kind of difficult to be upfront about you know how I'm necessarily feeling at that time, but I will preface you know by saying like you know hey, I'm going through some shit right now, in my brain um, I will apologize in advance. Um, please don't take it personally. Um, when I'm ready to talk about it, I'll talk about it, kind of thing. Um, but as long as even that, some, you know, just something like that is communicated with, you know, whoever you're working with, whoever you're, you know, in a band with, um, sharing a life with, you know, any sort of partnership, I think it's just important to even relay something like that, just so it's not like, okay, what's going on? And it could end up building into like, you know, potentially resentment or something. And that's nobody wants that.
2: Yeah. Especially yeah, yeah, if you let things fester, they end up exploding. They end yeah. up with those things where it's like somebody has that moment where they're like, that's enough. And now I'm saying yeah. all the things I've been keeping inside. It's like, if you would just let this out in small intervals, this would be a much easier conversation.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's like a pressure cooker. You know what I mean? So it's like, you don't want to let it build up too much.
0: You can't because then it's going to explode and it's going to get bad. So how do you stay centered, Lynn? What, what are your practices?
1: Um. Well, uh, I. You know, we all try to make sure that we're nice and relaxed and whatnot and stretched out. Like I stretch a lot. I love. I actually love to stretch and doing like you know yoga. I actually in the morning times. Like usually my routine is you know I try <laughs> try being the operative word because my ass is lazy. So um, <laughs> I haven't been doing my walks as of late, but um, I would be doing like two two and a half mile walks you know, listening to some like RuPaul or whatever, get my sass going. And then, uh, I do about, you know, 15 minutes of switching between like yoga, stretching and like, um, doing like core stuff. Um, and I meditate, uh, for two, two minute intervals. So before and after I do my stretch. So that usually just helps like, you know, clear my head, and, you know, get the blood flowing and stuff. And I try to do that when we go on tour. So if I can't do that in the morning, and if I have time before our set, you know, I usually just take, you know, grab a yoga mat. If I didn't bring my own, I'll just buy like a $5 yoga mat and donate it later. And actually, like, you know, the girls and I all have our routines kind of like that. We all like do a little bit of working out and stuff like that just to get the blood flowing and get stretched. And then we do, you know, about 15 minutes before we're supposed to like, go on stage basically um, is when we all get together to do our hands thing and have that, that powwow, you know, even like when we, after we, you know, get everything on stage, even after like intro music, we all meet at the drum riser. We all put our hands in. We each make sure that we touch each other's hands and um all sanitized, um, <laughs> all sanitized with beautiful lavender sanitizing spray. Um, (laughs) and then, you know, we look, we make sure everybody's looking at each other in the eyes and we're like, all right, it's go time. Let's fucking do this. And, uh, this year we've been doing uno, dos, tres, listas. Yeah. We count it off and we're like us or yeah, or Kia or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much our ritual for any show. And it's really, really nice. I really enjoy it.
0: I like that. I like that. It sounds like a good healthy practice. And that's what you need because it's stressful. This is a stressful yeah. life. Playing music, yes, being out is. on the road, being away from home.
1: Every aspect about touring. I don't care how much money you have. There's always a level of stress. And especially now. Now we're living in this time where, you know, we we were so so lucky none of us in our touring party on this last tour caught covid. None of it we didn't the only like real mishap was accidentally rolling in a ditch <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> because because somebody had a hankering for some skyline chili um <laughs> wait what
0: what happened <laughs> rolling in a ditch
1: oh yeah it it's so silly we um we <laughs> were driving um on our way from what was it Chicago to Columbus? Yeah, I think that was it. And our driver slash merch dude slash amazing human Matt is like, he's trying, he's like, we got to go for Skyline Chili. We got to try this. He's from Ohio. He's like, I got to try it. We got to do it. And I'm like, all right, dude, it's all good. We're We're good on time. You know, I make, you know, I, cause I, I TMS when we're on the, you know, in the U S so I'm a stickler for like making sure that like, We don't show up like super ass later when we want kind of thing. I just kind of communicate like, okay, you guys are showing up at this time. We're going to show up around this time. Is that cool? Great. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, you know, base it around that. But anyway, so we're driving and I, th- if I remember correctly, I think he got off at the right, wrong exit or like the exit said that it was like down the street, but it ended up being further. So he ended up wanting to turn around. And so he goes down this small street and as he's backing up to turn around, we roll right into a ditch Ooh. and <laughs> and we're like, ah, shit. Well, this is our, this is our comeuppance on this tour. And so I'm on... This is the silliest. The way that shit worked out on this tour is remarkable. Even with this little mishap, shit worked out. Because I'm on the... I'm like, I have AAA. No big deal. I'll give them a call. You know, if we're running late, we're running late, whatever. And I'm on the phone with AAA, not even... Not even five minutes. Not even. And this red truck drives by. He turns around and he comes up to us, like, park next to us. I'm like, oh, shit. I hope he doesn't have a gun or something. Um, <laughs> of course, me just being fucking judgmental. Uh, but, you know, I was like, oh, shit. Because I'm like, I don't know. We're kind of in bumblefuck nowhere, Ohio. I don't know what the hell's going on. Uh, but he comes out of his truck. I'm on the phone. I'm on hold with AAA. He's like, see, y'all are trapped underneath the ditch here. Rolled into one. We're like, yep, that, that happened. (laughs) And he's like, well, let me see, let me see what I can do for you. And, um, gets, he has like gloves. (laughs) He has, he's like kind of, he has blue and like fluorescent pink, like work gloves. And he's just like, he gets on all fours and he looks under the van. He's like, yep, I can help you. And we're like, oh, okay. Goes back to his truck, pulls out this giant chain Hooks it up to the van and pulls us out. I'm like, well, AAA, I don't need your help anymore. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, the way that things worked out on this tour was remarkable. And it was, we were, were very, very appreciative to whatever spiritual being out there that helped us help this run as smoothly as it
0: did on the store um <laughs> that's the best feeling like that kindness from strangers thing because i've been in that situation where you're stranded and someone's just like here let me fix this for you and you're like oh thank goodness
1: i know it was it was <laughs> it was just so funny all over getting some chili so um <laughs>
0: did you ever get the chili
1: Oh yeah, we got it. We got it once we got to the venue.
0: Was it worth all the hassle?
1: In hindsight, yeah, because it was hilarious to think about <laughs> it. Yeah, I mean, it whatever. I mean, it, was, it was resolved so quickly that I don't even care. Like it was just so funny. And like the chili was like it was a uh, it had a taste, you know. It was interesting. Did not bode well for my digestive system shortly after, but uh but yeah, it was, you know, you got to if you're going to try something, you got to try something. So. Um, you have to. Yeah. And and Matt was adamant about it and we're like, I right, it's all right, bud. It's the one thing you asked about, like if there's anything you really wanted was this. It's okay. <laughs> Just don't <laughs> roll us in a ditch next time. No, I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so the band speaks out on a lot of great issues, race, immigration, politics, feminism, all this stuff. Lynn, do you find that when you talk to people about this stuff, like sometimes they think you're crazy? like i I have pretty firm beliefs in what I believe and i'll I'll simply state things that are happening in the country, and people will look at me like I'm nuts like like I'm a conspiracy theorist or something I'm like no this these are things that are happening
1: i mean we've definitely had our share of like any sort of trollage happening. I love it when people try to use the term s j w or social justice warrior like it's an insult, yeah um I'm just like you're saying that as if it's a bad thing. Like I actually care about social justice. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, yeah. <laughs> but honestly, I I don't I I don't think I can't ever recall actually confront being confronted by anybody in person about it.
0: Is it pretty much just weirdos online saying stuff?
1: Oh yeah, the, you've got a screen behind you. The you know, you know that apparently puts a cape on you or some shit. Um, but. <laughs> Uh, honestly, I don't pay any mind to it. I don't waste my energy with it because it's, you know, especially when it comes to, especially when it comes to like the topics that we talk, I mean, well, I guess with anything that we talk about, but, you know, we're always going to, there's always going to be people that that are going to say things that are problematic Um, Or just not helpful. It's like, what do you think you're trying to do? Like, are you, do you think you're actually trying to save the world or something? It's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's important to raise awareness. Like, if you don't think it's important, then you don't do it. Then (laughs) I don't know what else to tell you. Like, if you don't like this, you don't have to listen to it. I don't give a shit if you don't listen to this shit. Like I don't care. The people that I care about are the ones that are supportive. I'm not even saying unconditionally supportive. The ones that actually feel the same way, that feel like they have a voice, like you know, that they feel heard by the music that we play. Like that is the reasoning behind this. I want people to feel that they're heard, and like to see to show them that like there are things that need to be brought up that are important uh, that that we believe in, and you know, if you agree with it, great. Uh, If you don't, then, okay, bye. Like
0: Exactly. I don't know what else
1: to tell you. Like I'm not here to please you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if it's important to you, obviously you're going to want to talk about it. And, you know, I'm older now. I'm kind of over the phase where I'm beating people over the head with what I believe and trying to convert them to what I think. I, I just don't have the energy for that anymore. So I believe what I believe. And if I can find common ground with people, that's good enough.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And like being able to have an outlet to be able to speak up about these things, uh, you know, is a way for to bring attention. You know what I mean? And like, I'm just going to do it to the level where it is healthy for my brain without it. Like, you know, I'm not trying to stick an ice pick in your brain and be like, this is the only thing you need to believe it. But I'm not going to, I'm, I'm also going to be, you know, make sure that I have the resources to back my shit up too. You know what I mean? You know, this is not just an opinion. These are things that are actually happening and it, this is a way you can support. If you don't want to, that is your discretion. But for those that want to support or want to figure out a way to support or asking how they can support here, I will provide some resources. So that's really the only thing as far as any sort of like pushing any sort of topic, you
0: know, that's one, that's where I draw the line when it comes to people like, For me, there's no middle ground for racism. There's no opinion. No. Like, when it comes to excluding people because of race or gender or whatever else they believe or holding them back or harming them in some way because of what they are, that's where I draw the line. There's no middle ground. I don't think there's any leeway there.
1: No, I agree wholeheartedly. That kind of shit is, to me, is... um, There's just no room for it, period. You know what I mean? Like, this is not being, you know... I'm as far as like ways to support, if you want to support, great. But if you are making a blatant, you are making a choice to be hateful, to be, to be bigoted, you know, sexist, like you are, you are making the conscious choice to say somebody is lesser than you by, for no fucking reason. There's no room for that. That I will, I will combat as much as I can want to, I suppose, but, um, or can, <laughs> you know, because there is, I, I agree, there's no middle ground as far as that kind of uh, like any sort of discriminatory behavior. Ways to support any sort of marginalized group, you know, I, you know, it's more like, you know, this is happening to this group of folks, here's a way to help them out. But as soon as I see or hear anything that is it's not like a, oh, I don't feel like support, you know, I don't feel like donating as opposed to, you know, fuck those, you know, whatever group, some sort of, you know, derogatory term. And then it's like, oh, we're going to have some problems, homie. Like yeah.
0: Once it <laughs> goes know. there, I'm like, I don't need to talk to this person at all. They're, uh, no. they're, they're lost. They're lost.
1: Yeah. yeah. I can't. And I'm like, you know, I've had my share of behavior that is, I I realize now is not okay, you know, being an Asian American female, like a lot of sexualized jokes happen um, that I genuinely thought they were funny. You know, I thought they were harmless. You know, the whole like me love you long time quote, for example. Right. I mean, I have that shit tattooed on me.
0: (laughs) Oh, do you really?
1: Yes, I do. Which I'm planning to get covered up. But, you know, at that time, I thought that shit was funny. I didn't, think about the negative repercussions behind it you know
0: how did you circle around and start to think it wasn't funny how did you come to that realization
1: um it really wasn't until like this year honestly where i you know that the the increase of um you know uh violence against asian americans was really starting to you know it was blowing up and i'm you know reading articles as to like the roots of why you know You know why it's problematic to perceive any sort of um, Asian American as something that's outside. For example, you know, understanding like the the damages that could go behind like this perception of fetishizing, you know, Asian women just because they're Asian women. You know, it was really eye opening. You know, I definitely have a different outlook on that kind of mentality because I didn't think about it before. I didn't. I thought you know that you know I could always joke about like. I used to joke about, you know, how, because this, this is true. I am usually, if we don't hire a driver, I'm usually the one that drives. I am very particular about that kind of stuff. Right. Um, yeah. And, uh, but you know, I would joke around and be like, yeah, of course it, he's like, what are the, what are the odds this band is only letting the only Asian person be the driver like shit like that. You know, it's funny but it's not at the same time. And like, I have, I'm trying to understand the balances beto- behind like potentially harmless stereotyping and very harmful stereotyping. Yeah. Right. Um, But yeah, I mean, I still joke around about it sometimes to this day about like, yeah, they got the Asian person to, the only Asian band member to drive the whole time, you know, or like, of course you get, you give the Asian chick the, the freaking camera to take your picture, you know, like shit like that. Like it's funny, but you know, there, there can be, you know, Consequences behind thinking something that harmless is funny. Um, And I'm trying to find where the line is drawn, or if there's a line drawn, or whether I should just not engage in that kind of sense of humor anymore because, you know, because of people's perception of Asian people in general for for such a long time. um, Even in like the Vietnamese community, it's like, oh, you're half white, right? And I'm like, no, I'm not. All because I don't have an accent. It's something as small as being born in this country and not having a, quote, Asian accent. I'm automatically adopted or half white or just not Asian enough. You know what I mean? That, that's a real thing. So, you know, and especially over the past year. And like I said, it's, you know, I'm holding my I'm going to hold myself up to this. You know, I should have, I should have known. I should have been more alert about this, but I, you know, obviously I can't do anything about the past. And so all I can do is just continually try to learn and uh, to proceed forward um, the best way that I can and to bring, you know, awareness to how damaging that kind of mentality can be. I mean, again, it's hard to define a line because some of it's so ingrained into your brain that it's funny that it's like, you don't think about it. And then, then it you read about like how you know this is rooted from something else, and it gets rooted from this, and this could you know, so it's a very difficult <laughs> topic to like try to navigate around.
0: It is, and it can be overwhelming sometimes. But ultimately, I think it's good because with social media now and the extra awareness, people can communicate so much better. We can call politicians out on more bullshit, which is great. We can mm-hmm. see through the veil more and just see what's really going on and. Yeah. It's like some of these things are so ingrained, like, I don't know, there'll be slogans that people use every day and then someone Mm -hmm. will be like, Oh, that actually originates from this really racist thing. So, you know, I think it's, I think it's always good to take a pause and really think about what you're saying and doing and how it could affect others.
1: Right. Right. No, I agree. And it's, um, it's hard, um, but that's, you know, aspects in life are not going to be easy. And if it's something that you it's worth learning about, it's, not going to be easy because you have to, I mean, this is about now like training my brain training people's thoughts like that were originally fun. Things that used to be funny, like in the twenties are certainly not acceptable now, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) So, but when somebody is just blatantly like, Oh no, it's, you know, I'm just, I'm just kidding. It's, it it shouldn't be taken that way. And it's like, well, if you looked at it in this perspective, can you see why it can be? That's the question. And instead of being defensive about it, you know, like just being like, oh, you know what, that's, I didn't mean for it. I didn't, you know, that wasn't my intent, but I can understand why it could be taken this way moving forward. Thank you for, you know, bringing consciousness to this. Um, I'm going to be more conscious about what I say kind of thing.
0: That's the way it should go. And the I'm just kidding thing makes me mad. I think it's a cop out you know, even if it's like something inappropriate, or even if someone's just messing with you, it's like, oh, I'm just kidding. Well, don't. Okay. I got the whole world messing with me. I don't need you, this person I know messing with me too. But that's the thing is when someone gets called out, they get embarrassed. So rather than saying what you just said, like, oh, I'm sorry, I'll think about that more in the future. They go the other way. And they're like, dig their heels in like, well, no, this is what I say. And I'm not changing.
1: Yeah, well, that's kind of mixed into, you know, I think one of the Hardest things is people's egos. Yeah. So yeah, it's like instead of, instead of taking accountability, I'm just gonna be like, no, I'm right. I put my foot down. I'm right. (laughs) Like, how about you be an adult and take accountability for your fucking actions and be like, Oh, you know what? You could be wrong sometimes and it's okay to be wrong. But as long as you acknowledge, and like, this is what I'm going to say. I'm going to say that anybody that had very, very, um, problematic, outlooks towards other races and if they make the conscious choice to just not budge from that fuck you um for those that actually event you know maybe it it might take them a while i'm always a huge advocate that says better late than never for some cases but if they eventually turn and be like oh i see it from that perspective and change their outlook on things that's something that can you know that's the kind of movement that we need if we uh offer people the opportunity to see this world in the way that i i feel or you know that is a light of empathy and compassion as opposed to survival of the fittest fuck everybody else it's just me and my family where's my goddamn gun i think if we give people that opportunity to have that outlook even if they stick to like the whole like you know no it's all about me But if they eventually turn the other cheek and are like, "Oh, you know what? Uh, I I see it this way now," and they give that, I think that's the kind of movement and kind of revolution that we kind of need as a society. Um, But being able to provide that that road for potential forgiveness and giving you know somebody an opportunity to see you know to see a better outlook on life in that perspective, Um, because a lot of times it's like it's hard to not it's hard to just be like. Oh, you're you're not gonna budge? Then fuck you, you're out. And I'm I'm you know I am I I do that too. There's people that are just not gonna fucking budge, and I will cut you out. You know that you know for me personally, for my own mental health, I will cut you the fuck out. But I I don't necessarily think that if they decided like I think that if they decide that person that decided to like not budge decided to budge and have a new then I can still I can reopen that door. You know what I mean? and have that conversation, I think.
0: Yeah, and I think it is possible because I've seen people change for the better. I know my attitude's gotten way better since I was, I don't know, a teenager and in my Mm -hmm. early 20s, I I feel like I've gotten a lot better and more open-minded about a lot of things, which is good. Lynn, have have you ever experienced where someone had a more positive outlook or told you that they changed their way of thinking as a result of your music or things you've said?
1: I definitely think we've had our share. Um, it's kind of, like I said, It's time is a, it's a very um, blurry thing <laughs> these
0: days. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: so I don't, I w- I'm sorry. I wish I had like some specifics, but um, I know that we've definitely experienced that. Like, you know, people hearing, uh, you know, so- songs like, you know, Simple Girl, for example, Um You know, women that, and, or Wild Me, um, they're just like, oh my God, like this song, these songs have gotten me out of like feeling like I wasn't good enough, you know, that like, I don't need to be with somebody to validate who I am. I need to do that for myself. And like you know, being huge proponents of self love is so important. Obviously, camaraderie with other you know with other people is definitely helpful. But it all it you're I don't think anybody is going to really feel that like pure and true like happiness unless they feel it with themselves first. And I think that um, Stacy in particular um, is is a uh, you know, she speaks very, very loudly about that, which I, you know, it, it's helped a lot of people. And, and, you know, even with the songs, you know, my, my songs are really just been like, okay, this shit's happening. You know, <laughs> Um, even with those songs, like people are like, oh, my God, thank you so much for, um, you know, speaking up about this kind of issue. We need to do something about this. I'm like, I agree. That's why I sang about it but yeah i I definitely think that, and you know with a lot of like stacy's um Jenny's songs as well um that people have definitely have come out having a more positive outlook on their lives, which is a beautiful thing to hear, a beautiful thing to see, and when you know they approach us about it or message us or something, it's full of emotional rewards
0: <laughs> that's a beautiful thing, I love that, yeah, so punk rock and hardcore and all the adjacent communities I love so much. One, because they gave me the ideals that I have of equality and political ideals and all the other really good stuff that I believe. You know, it's mm-hmm. a great place to be, I think, to have friends and and to be making music and a great scene to be involved in. So you, Lynn, as a Vietnamese woman in a punk band, in a punk band of all women, have you had difficulty navigating the industry? Have you felt Repressed, or have difficult things happened as a result of the situation?
1: Um. Well, uh, prior to the band, uh, when I was in the Reach Around Rodeo Clowns, I definitely had my my share of ex potential exploitation. You know, the whole fetishizing, uh, having an, a female, Asian female upright bass player, and outfits that I had to wear. So, did away with that. Mama don't like to play in heels, so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> give me some Adidas and I'm stoked. I can't even wear Chucks anymore. I'm getting old. I'm like, give me some freaking (laughs) cross trainers. I'm stoked, you know, in this band, uh, not really, um, too much, mainly because like, you know, if there's a problem and it's, this has actually been since I've, uh, took on the role of, um, tour managing. I'm usually the liaison for the band when it comes to like, you know, talking with the promoters, um, and you know, whoever's working the show that day and, um you know sound engineers making sure everything works out um you know the first couple years like first couple years of actually doing it, it was a little bit of a challenge um i was a little bit more timid and shrill but as you know time went on i was like you know you do notice things like if a sound guy is being condescending to you because they think that you don't know your gear or some shit and it's finally like yo we know our shit stop fucking treating us like this. Like, so, you know, there's, you know, been occasions where, you know, the person that's worked day of show would be super grumpy and be like, whatever, like, you know, our show is an inconvenience to them kind of thing. And, you know, before I'd be like, okay, well you're just having a bad day. But now I'm like, fuck that. We don't need to take that shit. You know? So, you know, I'll have like a one-on-one conversation with, you know, if, said problematic person, um, said PP. Um, <laughs> and, um, and, you know, it's usually just like, hey, you having a bad day? Because it seems like it. And I know this isn't us. And I know it's like, you know, I'll give an example. It's a Sunday afternoon. Nobody wants to play the show. But that's not the reality of the situation. So there's one of two things. We, you can continue to give me this attitude, and I'll make this really tough on you. Or you can apologize. We can go on with the show, try to make this bar and you and us some money, and I'll buy you a drink after this. And they'll be like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, it didn't mean to come off that way. So thankfully, I haven't had any uh, pushback when that's happened. So. Um, and it hasn't happened a lot. It's not like every show or every other show even. But we've definitely had our share, and you know, I'm certainly not going to stand for it. But, um, but yeah, like even with the sound guys, like I try to make shit like as smooth sailing as possible, you know, like, you know, like I said, it took me a few years to really get the hang of things, but eventually because, you know, each, you know, me, Jenny and Stacy, we sing, you know, leads in different songs. Right. So we want to make sure that the sounds well, and we're not confusing the sound guy or whatever. So I'm usually like, I'll introduce myself to the sound guy, be like, Hey, you know, um, So this is what the situation is. Uh, There's three lead vocals. We change turns singing leads. What I would like to do is write you a set list to advise you which songs, you know, who's singing leads on which song. So you're not having to try and figure this out. And also, you know, we have like some lighting requests, like no strobe lights because, you know, mama will have an an epileptic seizure. You know, like small requests like that. Can I write this down on paper for you? So that way you have it and you're not left guessing. You know, it's just in front of you. And, you know, 95% of the time, they're like, yeah, that'd be really helpful. Thank you.
0: So what do you do the other 5% of the time when they're like, <laughs> no?
1: <laughs> they're like, you don't want it? Okay, then good luck. And we'll see what happens in the end.
0: I think a lot of sound guys are just really grumpy. Like sound guy is kind of like a personality type. I've I've heard about <laughs> I've heard about a lot of friends of mine getting into it with sound guys.
1: Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's like everything's an inconvenience. I can't say all of them. <laughs> I've had you know, in the past, I, I've seriously, honestly like lucked out in the past, you know, this past tour and also uh when we did shows um in August. Well we had like You know, uh, make war actually, their buddy is a a front of house engineer. So he's like, I'll do front of house. I'm like, that would be so awesome, dude. So that was nice and beneficial. But for the most part, like the past, I mean, I haven't had any real issues with sound guys for a couple, you know, obviously 2020 was a wash, but, but for the past couple of years, it really hasn't been an issue. And like this, the few dudes that are just like, no, I got it. I've been doing this for like 25 years. It's like, okay, (laughs) good for you. I'm not going to give you a cookie, but okay. I'm just here to make your life easier. But if you don't want that, that's up to you. If it sounds like shit, we're going to have some problems. Um, (laughs) no, I don't say that at the end, but, um, but I'm just like, whatever, if he wants to be like that. And then, you know, if, if it sounds like shit, I actually tell the promoter. I'll be like, yo, I'm not going to throw a hissy fit here, but because they always ask me like, oh, how was the show? Did you have a great time? Blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I'm not going to fuck around with that. I'll be like, you know what? It was good, except this. And, um, you know, and it, like I said, it hasn't really happened all that much. Um, and when it has, you know, the promoters be like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. You know, I'll have a talk with them. And it's fine. Like, I'm like, look, I'm not here to be like, this person was
0: shitty. Um but if they are shitty, I think it's right to bring that up. Maybe nothing will happen, but we've got to advocate for ourselves because who else is going to?
1: Exactly. And also it's the reputation of the venue too. So like if you're gonna be shitty, you're gonna you're gonna be shitty to us, you're gonna be shitty to our sound or anybody else that's on the touring party, then that's gonna reflect on the venue and nobody's gonna wanna play there because of that that dude, you know? So Um, but again thankfully it really hasn't become problematic and when it has been slightly problematic i always get an apology
0: i was gonna say things are gearing back up but we don't even know that now because there's a new covid variant things change month to month all shows are shutting down again tours are getting canceled again so we don't know what the hell is happening anymore but all right let's say that the world doesn't end again what do you got coming up for the band?
1: Um, well, we have we have three shows coming up. Well, aside from this Saturday, but we have three shows coming up in January. It happens to be three show, the the week after my wedding. Um, got married. are getting married. Congratulations! I am. Thank you. We've been engaged for two years, and uh, <laughs> uh, because you know the world stopped, so we had to put everything on pause. But it's okay. We're very excited about it. Keeping it low key. And of course, you know, my partner proposed to me on April Fool's Day. So he's a keeper. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, so we're playing with Hot Water Music and Good Riddance um, exactly. on the, uh, let me see. It is January, it's like uh, January 21st through 23rd um, in San Francisco, LA and Garden Grove, California. So that's going to be really exciting. I'm a huge Hot Water Music fan, like... My Same. alter ego, yeah, my alter ego when I play acoustic shows is chick Reagan, <laughs> so, yeah, I like I'm that. like yeah i'll wear I'll mean I'll wear a flannel, I wear a knitted beard for like two songs i'm I'm aiming to get a little fishing line at the end of my guitar um, <laughs> but uh but yeah i love I love hot water music, I love Chuck, like all those guys are great, um but yeah, so, and excited to see the guys from Good Riddance too. Um, We have uh, a couple shows in April, April 1st and 2nd with MXPX and Mercy Music. Oh, nice. Yes, that's very exciting stuff as well. We were supposed to play with them in Salt Lake City uh, last year, but, you know, world stopped. And then we're expecting to go to Europe in November next year, in the fall. I think it's like end of October, you know, through November kind of thing. Because uh, we were supposed to go to Europe and finish up our last tour, <laughs> um, so we're just like, ah, oh, what? And we don't even, you I know, mean, they're obviously booked, but with things happening, you know, it's just it's all a toss up. We're just kind of riding the wave, riding that unpredictable wave.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Time has lost all meaning, and we never it know really what's going to happen one day to the next anymore.
1: I know it's it's crazy. I mean, like I said, we lucked out, like not testing positive on the anti-flag tour, which was awesome. You know, everything went as smoothly as possible, which is, Oh, holy shit. That was like, I mean, we tested every few days too. We were not fucking around with that. We, we wore masks. We were like trying to keep away and, you know, Um, I think they were, I think it also helps like, and obviously I'm not going to be, I can't, I can only do so much to mandate this, but I think it's really important for venues to mandate mask wearing inside or at the very least providing like vaccination cards or negative COVID test results. Like that is so, there's like virtually no effort behind that, like You know what I mean? And it's like people are all huffing and puffing. I'm just fringing on my freedoms. Like, come on, get the fuck out of here with that shit. Like, it's because your ass is because shit is still restricted right now. So, um, but I think that's, I mean, I know that there's some venues that, you know, the city has to mandate it. So they have to follow the city mandate orders, which I think is great. I think it's important. I think I read like Germany is implementing like a lockdown for all unvaccinated people or some shit like that. Yeah, uh, well,
2: yeah, I yeah. think it's Germany, yeah, and uh, yeah. and Australia as well.
1: Yeah, I'm like, why? Why is it so fucking hard? I don't understand. I don't understand why people are all up in arms about the vaccine. That could be a whole different discussion, um, but you know what I mean. It's like that you had to get vaccinated in order to get to public school. Like, there's a reason why we don't have diphtheria and polio. You know what
0: I mean? I think it's because everything has become politicized now, like everything has become this fake dividing line of Republican versus Democrat, and none of it really matters. And all the stupid fake misinformation out there about what vaccines do, all this stuff didn't exist in the early 80s when we were getting vaccinated to go to kindergarten and first grade. Well, not to the degree it is now, at least.
1: Right. Well, just put me in a ring with Tucker Carlson, and let's just be done with it. (laughs) Put me in a ring with him. Put me in a ring with that stupid idiot Marjorie Taylor Greene. Put me in a ring with freaking Lauren Boebert. Fuck them all. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Fuck every single one of those fucking assholes. We need
0: to do something, and I'm not sure exactly what it is, but something's got to change. I know. But in the meantime, we can listen to the ride. Bad cop bad cops <laughs> excellent twenty twenty LP on the legendary <laughs> label Fat Records. Yes?
1: Yeah. Woo! How do we feel
0: about the record? It's been out for a while now. We've done a little touring. Are we happy?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's been it's been great. You know, the the amount of support is uh it's priceless. <laughs> you know. We're very, you know, this year this album took a while to make too, so it definitely tapped into emotions that, you know. Um, each of us have, you know, only begun to really like be okay expressing kind of thing. Like, you know, just opened up new doors into writing, different ways of writing as well.
0: When did the writing process start for that one? I
1: think it was like early 2018. I don't fucking remember. Uh, but I know it took like a year and a half or some shit to make. It was crazy. You know, it, I mean, I, I'm for one, am guilty of having writer's block like all the time. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, we have to write something. I have nothing. <laughs> you know, I definitely for, for the writing process for me, it was, it was very, very challenging. I didn't know exactly what to write about. I think I should try and write more about like my personal experiences and my, you know, in hopes somebody feels heard because they can relate to it kind of thing. Uh, I'm just not good at it. So I mean it's songwriting it for me, I mean I, melodies, my, melodies pop up in my brain like every 20 minutes. I never save them. I, I just like whistle and be like, oh, I'm gonna put it on my voice memo and start whistling it and totally forget about it. But when it comes to lyrics, like tapping into feelings and emotions that I'm not even comfortable talking about up front is like the most difficult thing for me.
0: <laughs> I notice in a lot of I've done a lot of research about you and the band and I notice the conversation will usually steer towards pretty serious issues, you know, like Mm -hmm. everything that's going on in the country and your past and your parents and all that stuff. Do you ever wish that someone would just talk to you about movies or something simple?
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, people do. I just, the the topics, I guess, that I write about, I don't know, it's, it's it's just one of those things where you just want to talk about it, you know? Yeah. I know it's you know, over some very, very difficult circumstances, you know, but, uh, I just, I, I don't feel like it's talked about enough, you right. know? Um, and especially like, I, you know, when I'm writing about, uh, you know, my family's experience and like certain kind of monster was actually like a direct response to watching a family get raided by ice. So seeing that and like having, I mean, I, even though I didn't experience firsthand like what my family went through like just knowing what they did go through and knowing that their circumstances were not even as harsh as a lot of people that are trying to do the same thing um and I feel like there's there really isn't a lot of representation in that in any real genre of music I mean there is it's not like it doesn't exist but um I just I don't know I just felt like it just needed to be talked about more and especially like if people see it through the perspective of someone's relative immediate relatives that went through it maybe that'll like give them a new outlook on the situation and not just be like they're illegals and it's like get out of here with that <laughs> like do you do you even know what it takes like <laughs>
0: There's way more to it than that. I mean, yeah, it's okay to have people come here and work for three dollars an hour. But oh, no, we can't have them be citizens. There's a lot of ridiculous double standards. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important that these issues are talked about a lot because let's face it, people in this country have very short memories and especially nowadays with people are just bombarded with new stuff every day and it, you know one day something's important the next day you could forget about it forever
1: right yeah i mean songs stick around for a reason so it's like you know maybe these kinds of topics like will linger around people will actually like sit down and think about it and you know see you know even if they can't do anything about it it's just like understanding that this is actually happening and not like not turning you know turning away and being like, oh, well, this doesn't affect me in any way. So why should I care about it? That whole outlook, it makes me cringe, you know, just thinking about like, oh, well, that's never happened to me. um, So like, why should I care about that? Like, you know, for example, like the way that people treat like, you know, the houseless, for example, it's like, you know, all because you've never gone through that doesn't mean that those struggles are actually real. Like, you know, we need to be able to treat them as other citizens and not just fucking like these lepers of life um, that they put themselves in or whatever. Like just having someone else's perspective, like I think is just, it's just so important and it's really disturbing that there's so many people that like, unless it affects them won't do anything kind of thing.
0: Right. And even if it does affect them, they still won't do anything most of the time. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's true. You have that, too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's recap. Okay, so here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to listen to the Bad Cop, Bad Cop discography on streaming services, but we're also going to buy records and buy shirts and support the band live. Yes? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's what (laughs) we're going to do.
1: Yeah. Yes. I'm snapping. Can you hear me
0: snapping?
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes.
0: You've got some gigs coming up with hot water music and good rins. We're going to go to those shows. Yes.
1: See, come to all of them, but be safe about it.
0: (laughs) Be safe about it. Wear a mask, bring your vaccine card. If you don't have it, stay home. Sorry, folks. Those are the rules. Yeah. And if you're a sound person working at a venue and Lynn gives you some helpful notes that are going to (laughs) help you succeed at your job, take the (laughs) notes, right?
1: Yeah. It's, yes. it's only to make your job easier. I'm not here to patronize you or anything like that. I'm just here to help.
2: It's <laughs> exactly. Also, it's also literally your
0: job, so you should probably do that. Like, yeah, that's you're why right? you're paid to be there, right? Like, oh, my yeah. word. <laughs> and if Lynn is playing an acoustic set under the pseudonym Chick Reagan, <laughs> you got to go see that. I mean, come on. No that's great.
1: On. Come on, Chuck. Let's do a Chick and Chuck tour. <laughs> got well, to. Like- posters of us dressed up as like lethal weapon or something
0: (laughs) (laughs) is there any uh upcoming project or anything else we didn't cover that you want to mention
1: i mean other than like doing you know the monthly base against racist shirts um this month we're featuring uh chris from jawbreaker which is very exciting half the proceeds uh well, the proceeds from, uh, chaos merch, um, half of them will go towards Black Lives Matter and the other half will go towards, uh, the National Indigenous Women's Resource Center. And then, um, all proceeds through T-Mom Merch, which is our international, um, merch store. I forget exactly which anti-racism NGO that we've chosen for a year, but like I said, um, you know, all the proceeds when we do these shirts go towards, um, anti-racism campaigns. We've, so far, uh, we started this project back in 20, uh, October of 2020, and have raised over two twenty thousand dollars for Black Lives Matter so far. Over seven grand for Stop API Hate and other, um, you know, nonprofits, anti-racism nonprofits, and you know, national bailout projects. You know that we're trying to work towards getting rid of bailouts. So, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so you know, we're just going to feature a new basis each month and. You know, you can get your Chris from Jawbreaker shirt. um, Pre-orders are available until December 31st.
0: Awesome. So, folks, let's pick up the shirts and support a good cause. I mean, we've got to.
1: Yes, yes. Support great causes. It's rewarding. And plus, it's like they're like collectibles, kind of.
0: (laughs) Yes, it's a a one-of-a-kind item. It's it's a win-win all around.
1: Exactly. I'm just, um, you know, just excited about this campaign. Just still going.
0: Well, Lynn, we really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us tonight, so we want to say thank you, and we really appreciate you and the band and the music that you make, as well as many others across the world, so thank you so much. Thank you
1: so much. Thanks, guys.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Uh, I really appreciate you guys asking me to be a part of this, and go Phillies. No, kidding.
0: (laughs) There you have it folks, Lynn Lee. Great conversation, great band. Tommy, it was it was nice to hear from somebody who's not our typical everyday story that we hear. You know, her background's a little different. Her parents came here post Vietnam, and I had no idea she lived in Philadelphia. What a great connection. Yeah, for a long time in South Philly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and Philly to California is a a big change and it was interesting hearing about how she uh made friends and found the band. Tommy, I've done that where I move somewhere new and I just sit at bars and I I don't seem to make any friends, but she's pro- <laughs> she's probably like better at socializing than I am. <laughs>
2: there's a there's a level of outgoingness that some people have that I envy because they can walk into any room and just start talking to people. Right. Uh, I don't have that ability. I mean, I can talk to people, but uh, I'm not the first. I don't initiate the conversation ever.
0: Yeah, I would always just sit there awkwardly and never talk to anybody and get blasted. So that probably doesn't help things. But no, Lynn's got it going on. Love talking to her. Love the band. Thank you so much, Lynn. That was great.
2: Yeah, I actually, I wanted to bring up something uh, that she mentioned when she was talking like she's a bookkeeper for a living but her job is really cool about her traveling and yeah. we find that a lot where people have like full-time like or like a a regular job that allows them significant periods of time off to come back and i'm like god damn like i don't know any job that does that but like these people have found jobs that are allowing them to kind of like all right i'm gonna take off for you know, six weeks, eight weeks, um, you know, three months, and then come back and just pick up like where I left off. I'm like, wow, that's, it just doesn't happen with like my, especially with teaching. It's just not a thing that you can do. So when I hear people that have those type of things, I'm like, wow, you guys are, that's what a great
0: opportunity. And on top of that, what an awesome
2: employer to have.
0: Absolutely. Because usually it's, oh, you know, you have to do a overnight bartending gig or something like that where you're making the money and then you have the flexibility to go out and tour. So it's interesting and it's cool to hear that there's cor- more corporate gigs where you can do that too, because I didn't know such a thing existed. <laughs> yeah.
2: I did, I had no idea. I really just thought you either had a full-time job or you, you know, I deliver pizzas when I'm home from touring or like, you know, something that you can get like time to time where it's like, Oh, and then people like, they're like, no, no, I do this. And you know, then I go and tour for three months. It's like, fuck man, that's so rad. <laughs> like that's what a great opportunity.
0: Tommy, we have a winner for the Jerome's Dream record giveaway. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. The winner is... The winner is... Kevin Weissman Sellers. And Tommy, do you know who that is? I don't. Kevin Weissman Sellers is life from loam. The oh, gentleman we could not find before when we were trying to give away the the Earth Crisis record. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. He has surfaced. So we're going to give him the Jerome's Dream record because he tagged us. And he deserves a record. Yeah, he for sure. He deserves a record. So, Kevin, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting us. And we hope you enjoy the record. I'm glad you got in touch with us. Folks, whenever we do these giveaways, it's real easy. You just post an Instagram story and tag us and Iodine Recordings, and you could get a free record. I just picked the winners at random, and that's it. So the next time we do one, we'll be announcing it, and you'll have more opportunities to win because, Tommy, we are the show that keeps giving. 100%. And we give back. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> we give, and we give, and we give our whole lives.
2: Well, I haven't been. I've been taking for a long—I took for a good chunk of time. Would you take— no, just I did give back for a long time. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I, Yo, <laughs> I, I, for a long time, I, I I didn't do anything. I didn't put real any any real kindness or any good works out there in the world. So this is uh, my penance.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would say my scales used to be a little more imbalanced. Yeah, if you will. Uh, but I think I think we're pretty good now. I think we're pretty good now. This show is our gift to the world, and folks could not be happier. Like, listen to this. Bartek Tajak says, Well, first of all, we're his number one listen to podcast on Spotify. And number two, he says, I declare myself a member. Thank you, Keith and Tommy. Bartek digs the podcast. And Bartek, we dig you. Thank you for listening. Just in members to the ranks. Let's go. Yeah, I'm so happy that someone declared themselves a member because no one has done that in a while. <laughs> and folks, remember to be a member, You just have to say that you are. You're a member when you say you are. Boom. Done. Easy. That is an easy way to go about it. You can also send me a
2: cash or money order to... Never mind.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, Tommy, tell me how you're doing, but not in the context of work or family. I want to know how you personally are doing as a person and what kind of feelings you've processed lately. Hmm. That's a great
2: question. Uh, so I've been actually a little bit down in the dumps. Why? Just because I I feel like we've just gone through a lot with everybody being sick at the house. Yes. Uh, and for some reason, I can't shake whatever this throat thing is that I have going on. But yeah, I've been kind of bummed out about that just because it, it
0: seems it wears thin. You don't sleep as well. Like it's just how it's, long has it been going on?
2: Like four days before Thanksgiving. So.
0: That's no. a pretty long time. You've been to the doctor?
2: I have. I've been to, well. I've been to urgent care, um, and they said it. Whatever I have is just viral. So they just gave me—I um, forget what the name of the medicine is. It's the one that you take. It's like an antihistamine and a nasal decongestant, but it's a liquid. And I, I took that for like you know however long I had to take it, and it really did help me sleep at night. Uh, but the thing that's going on with my throat is that I—I you know I use my voice for a living. Uh, so I can I'm just not giving myself enough time to rest. So I've been making a conscientious effort to go to bed early. So, or, and taking naps. So, uh, I've been trying to make sure I treat myself a little bit better so I can kind of hopefully snap out of the, <laughs> whatever I got going on. But that's been me. I've been a little bummed a little bit, uh, but I'll be honest coming up to the holidays right now where we're starting to get all of the girls Christmas presents and everything starting to arrive in the mail. And we, we have a big list of everything that we're checking off and being like, all right, we have enough things for Ellie. We have enough things for Evie. Um, we have enough things for the baby. Like we're kind of going through that. It makes me really happy because I start to see the girls get really excited about, oh, can we plug in the Christmas tree? Oh, can we make sure that the lights are on outside? Like the, that magic of being a little kid at Christmas time is starting to really kind of bring me out of it. So that's really, really been helpful.
0: You're sick, but you're getting better. Christmas is going good. What else? Any, any difficulties, any mental anguish, any personal demons to overcome?
2: No, I've been actually really happy other than the, you know, being sick kind of thing dragging me down. I think- this last few months has been really, really great for me in terms of in my career um, and the Oh, pro- yeah.
0: Are you getting the new, are you taking the new position? Is so that still happening?
2: It is. It has been offered to me. However, uh, I have uh, declined to take it until. What? Well, no, no, no. This is, here's the thing. It wouldn't start until the following school year. And I said that uh, I, I really need to see what the job looks like on a day to day basis because, um, there is a significant pay increase that goes along with it, but the other thing is, is that I will no longer be a classroom teacher. So uh,
0: that well, just be careful because if you're lollygagging too long, someone else might come in and snatch it away from you.
2: Well, they they've made it really clear that uh, that's not the case. They but I was like, you know, I want to make sure I'm a hundred percent prepped uh, before we do anything and move forward with it. Um, so. Uh, in the coming months, uh, I, well, in the coming month, actually most of the month of January, I'll be taking a lot of my, my prep period, my free time during the day, um, to shadow the person that currently does the job. Uh, so I can see what it looks like on a day to day basis, kind of take notes on what are things that I think I'd be good at things that I need, I need more training with that is ultimately going to inform my decision. But, uh, you know, if, if this push comes to shove and they say, yeah, you need to pull the trigger today or you're not getting it, I'll pull the trigger that day.
0: So it sounds like you're doing pretty good. Yeah. No. I'm Besides just... the sick thing, because yeah. I feel for you because when you're sick, everything is horrible and you're just like, when can I get back to normal? My life was so good before all this happened and one kid is better and then another gets sick and then the cycle starts all over again. You're stuck in a loop right now and I sympathize with you.
2: Thank you so much because it really is hard to, when you're not here and seeing how much of a struggle it is you know just like like you said like the little stuff kind of wears thin today i you know emptying the dishwasher folding laundry and helping you know kelly get the baby in a bath i was just like i just need to sit down
0: <laughs> can i just yeah.
2: can i just have 10 minutes can i just sit down and stare at my phone for a little bit like um but yeah that uh, other than that everything really i i've been keeping a pretty clear mental attitude about like you know, trying to stay positive and hopefully my positivity of my mindset kind of influences
0: my physical. (laughs) So one follows the next, but how are you? I'm okay. I'm trying to not schedule every hour of every day anymore because I'm making myself nuts and I'm plagued by anxiety most of the time. So I'm in this loop now where, you know, I was out all weekend doing things and then I came home and I'm like, well, now you gotta get on Twitch because that's what you do Sunday night. And I was like, I don't wanna. Like it's it's like eight o'clock and now I'm gonna sit on Twitch for four hours. Like oh, wow. I've been I've been working, doing stuff all day. I just wanna sit here. So I'm trying to not plan every hour of every day anymore. Okay. And so I can just relax a little bit and not thinking that I always have to produce something. You know what I mean? I don't want to take. I don't want to take the fun out of video games by thinking I have to do everything on Twitch. I don't want to stress myself out thinking I always have to do something. And there's this thing I do where it doesn't happen all the time, but sometimes I, you ever hang out with people and then you come home and just give yourself a bad mental report card? You're like, you said this, you did that. This was dumb. This was good. Like, and you're just it's Uh like mental gymnastics over nothing uh i don't hang out with people so that's kind of hard uh, <laughs> but no i i
2: i I can totally empathize with that i have done that before in the past where i've had interactions with other other people and afterwards I'm, I'm very very critical of myself in terms of like you know somebody was telling me a really personal story and to make sure that they understood that i understood what they were talking about I gave them something that I had gone through. I'm like, oh, yeah, actually, this something similar had happened to me. And in my head, I'm going, maybe they perceive that as being selfish. Like, listen to my story. What I tried to do was, like, make sure they understood that I understood what they were talking about by, like, relating it. Saying, like, hey, this similar thing happened to me. Here's how it happened to me. Is that the same thing? And they were like,
0: oh, yeah, that's it.
2: And and that's what
0: you're doing right now. How so? Because I'm telling you a story and then you told me a story about how you so- told someone a story. Oh, yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, because it's, it shows that you understand what they're going through.
0: Mm. Well, sometimes it's good.
2: That's what I. But again, that's one of those times where I'm like, and did I say the right thing? Should I have just been like, okay, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> just like kind of giving them some type of affirmation and then walked away.
0: I put myself through a lot of stress over nothing. So I, I'm just being conscious of that. And trying not to do that, trying not to plan every hour of every day. But everything's good. Podcast is good. Work is good. Life is good. There's a, plenty of stuff to do nowadays, which you know I love. I got a win on the new Warzone map. Hmm? Oh, huh? And you got a win on the old one before they closed it, right? Oh, Tommy, I think I believe in God now. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why, Okay. So we, I did that whole inspirational speech about how the old Warzone map was going away, right? Yeah. So I got off the show with you that night, and I'm like, ah, let me jump on and play a couple games. Not on Twitch. Let's just see what happens. First game on, Solo's Battle Royale, me versus 150 people, I won. Amazing. I won. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to end it on a good note. And I just stopped and I'm like, I'll play again Wednesday. Little did I know, little did I know that was to be my last ever game on Verdansk. I thought I'd have another chance to jump on the old map and on Twitch and grind for another win that would be televised. No, Tommy, no. So I just happened to get on the game and for that last time, and I just happened to win my first game. See, Tommy, there must be a God. What do you think? I think that's an odd
2: reason to believe in God, but I, I, I think it's a really good reason to believe in your skills as a player. Well, I'm glad to hear that. How other other than the not scheduling every moment of the day, how else are you doing?
0: Let me think. Let me think about that.
2: Yeah, I had to do the same. I had to stop first. I had to pause when you asked me this question.
0: Yeah, I'm, let's 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 get deep here. I'm generally happy. The only thing that worries me is the immense anxiety I feel about everything. So I'm like am I going to have to medicate that at some point? Is it going to get worse? Am I see I'm having anxiety about anxiety. <laughs> see, that's where I actually think about this uh, fairly often because I, was, I I was
2: talking with a friend of mine that does use medicine to control their anxiety and their uh you know, they have those repetitive thoughts. I was like, "You know, is it something that you think uh, you know, that you would be inclined to abuse. And they were like, absolutely not. Because first of all, it takes like two weeks or so to kind of register. It's not like taking a bunch of set and you're like, all right, now I'm fucked up. <laughs> like, uh, y- you know, you have to take it in a slow and measured dosage to kind of allow it your time, your body time to get used to it. Um, and I was thinking, I was like, wow, if that's, you know, if somebody was having a, a, an issue with addiction or, You know, misuse of prescription drugs, what a great way for them to kind of use that in a, you know, and still treat their symptoms without having to worry about abusing them.
0: I have taken one non-narcotic anxiety medicine in early recovery. Mm -hmm. I didn't like it. I stopped it. I just don't want to get into all that. So I'm hoping it just stays the way it is right now because it's uncomfortable, but it's manageable. Gotcha. And that's how I'm doing. All right. do, you, do you feel that is a deep enough and sufficient answer to how I'm doing?
2: No, 100%. Like, the fact that you really, you really took a good pause there, like, to, yeah. before you were actually going to answer that. And I, I appreciate that. And also... Because
0: I do the same thing you do. I fall back on work, podcasts, Twitch, like, the things that I do. I don't talk about me personally. I, I think that's part of
2: just kind of, like, the... I guess the personas we've kind of developed to kind of fill in here, like, do you know what I mean? Like it becomes like the default that we have to, we go to that because it's easy to talk about. Whereas the other things aren't easy to talk about because they're, you know, something that requires depth. It it takes time. But I also think with just, this is just me, but as a father and a husband and, and a teacher and stuff like that, you start to, at least I have, I, I've lost sight of myself at points in times because I, I don't think of myself as a person anymore. I think of myself as somebody's dad, somebody's husband, somebody's teacher, somebody's mentor. Like, you know what I mean? Like you start to assume those roles and those roles become your personality rather than your own personality being kind of something that you develop and work on.
0: We're going to get past that and we're going to get to the the roots of our souls. What do you think of that?
2: That sounds like something for a later episode. (laughs) Because I just looked
0: at at the time and I'm like... "Mm -hmm." (laughs) Well, lucky for you, we are out of time. So folks, (laughs) happy holidays to everyone who celebrates. We hope you get everything you asked for and more. Thanks everybody for listening and until next time.